Welcome to Regulars Anonymous. With host, Zachary Landry. Sitting down with the people who are standing in line behind you at the grocery store. And hearing what they have to say. Thinking when they uh, when they built those residences and zoned the lots. Mm-hmm. Because all of the, the structures are built on top of, of the bank. And then there's a very steep dip. It's like 16 feet down. And then an, another um, like plateau for the lower portion of the lot. Yeah. And then the property and uh, the property line ends. Yeah. I don't know either because I think you notice it up up along here. Yeah. That, too. That's exactly where I'm talking about. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it's bizarre when you're kind of because there's like pseudo trails back there. But then you're like, am I on someone's yard right now? Like what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, and you see little, like, <laughs> private property signs, but there's no fencing or anything. You're just like, okay. Fuck. Yeah. I would build a very tall fence back there. Yeah, yeah definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But. Oh, and, and they want an arm and a leg for those properties, too. Um, the one I was looking at is three ninety nine, Just for being at the top of the hill. Yeah. Weird. Huge fucking deck, though. Like, 1,300 square feet for this deck. And I'm thinking to myself, fuck, yeah. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. But what would you do with the deck that big? Just hang uh, out on? I put a hot tub in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, patio dining. Um, with bassetones, I would have to partially turf it because there's no fucking way that those dogs are gonna like walk down more stairs. As they're getting old, hey. Oh, okay. They're like eight years old. Mm-hmm. And the next property I buy, it needs to have a, a level, a level main floor. Like one, two, maybe three steps yeah. to get into the yard. Because uh, when a basset hound gets geriatric, oh, fuck. Their mobility <laughs> just plummets, man. What's their temperament like at that age? Uh, well, on average, mm-hmm. they're still pretty clownish. Um, but they're reluctant to exercise. But with my male basset hound, oh, he's, he's irritable as it is. Like the other morning, I'm my dogs sleep on either side of my bed on the floor. Yeah, and um, you know, I wake up and I, I reach down to you know pet him like, "Hey, dude, good morning." And uh, I must have woke him up because he turned on me like that. Oh, he was looking to grab fingers. Not in the mood. Oh no, he was full war face. Yeah. <laughs> so when when he's in pain, oh, he's gonna be a rough dog to have for yeah. sure. Yeah. Is he intact? No, no, I had to get him fixed um, yeah. pretty much right away because he was so aggressive. Okay. Like, it, it, it's not very common for, for basset hounds to be like that, but there is a phenomenon called the bass hole. <laughs> and uh, he's one of them. Yeah. Uh, he's a big wheeler cat. He's, he's murdered one of my cats. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. He's, he's uh, pretty full <laughs> on. Yeah. If he, if he was a full sized dog, I would have had to put him down. Yeah, yeah, because you can't trust him with kids. You can't trust him with small animals. Like uh, okay. he's my dog. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust you, no one else. Pretty much, yeah. And even that is tenuous. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the format here? This is it. This is it. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't have like a, a set number of questions that you ask. No, we're kind of roll. Maybe get to some talking points at, at some point. But in the moment, I like to start off pretty chill. No oh, rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you recently got your bike license? No. Oh, it's still your learners. Well, um, any uh, any license is technically a learner's license for uh, a year. The graduated for bikes. Okay. I mean, if you've got a if you've got a class five, 
then you're set to ride a motorcycle with uh, with another licensed rider. Yeah, yeah. Um, with a with a class seven uh, learner's permit, you can ride anything that's smaller than I think 150 cc's. Okay. So that's your mopeds. That's why you see people uh, yeah out out on, out on a moped when they've got a, a class seven. Um, but the the class six is specifically for motorcycles mm-hmm. and. It's fucking bullshit. I've got a class one license. I can drive any vehicle yeah, on the road. Except for a motorcycle. Except for a motorcycle. And it, and that caveat is like, it's right at the top of the, of the commercial uh, description for, for these licenses. It's just, it's fucking horseshit. Mm-hmm. It's horseshit. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm bombing around town and uh, doing the speed limit. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's great. Yeah. I didn't, just because where I'm from, it was a little different process. And is is it a graduated program here for your bike license as well? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I want to say no. It's a harder thing to police, anyways. Yeah. Unless you're being an asshole, there's no particular reason to pull you over. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know if um, local law enforcement is looking at like, hey, are you in the correct uh, travel position? Because you want, ideally, you want to be riding in the lane. In the portion that uh, the, the driver of the, the car, the driver of the vehicle behind you is in, yeah, yeah. so the, the left side, and but you know I'm I'm paying attention now, and I see guys that are just all over the fucking. Oh place. yeah, man! Yeah. You see people swerving back and forth, and you know, having fun and just killing time. Yeah. You yeah. know what it is in their own little world. Yeah, but it's that time of year. Everyone's coming out of their hibernation state and getting into it. Oh yeah. So. Oh man. So I spent 250 bucks on a modular helmet, mm-hmm. right? And this helmet, um, it's got a it's got a clear visor because I want to be able to ride at night. Yeah. And there's a drop down. A, yeah, it's got the drop down and and the the full it's full face and the full face flips up. And uh, so this guy that I bump into into at Starbucks, that's uh, you know hiding from the wind. Yeah, I'm asking about his helmet because it's, it's the same damn helmet. Um, but he spent the extra 200 bucks to have like the uh the full bluetooth rig in there oh yeah and the moment he said that i'm like oh man i should return this fucking helmet i've had it like two weeks there's not a scratch or ding on it the box i bought it in is intact i've got the receipt in the box yeah so like the creature comforts are fucking nice yeah Yeah, that is definitely probably the biggest technological thing that you'd want in your helmet nowadays fuck yeah it's so nice because i remember back in the day it was brutal having to put like earbuds in and then not having a modular helmet and trying to pull it over. And, but like it's squeezing the earbuds out. And oh you're yeah. It's like, yeah. oh man. Or like one of them drops out halfway through your ride and you're just like, oh, well it's either gone or it's in the, it's in the bucket. Like, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. And those things aren't cheap either. Fuck. No. Ugh. Nope. So, and you're doing the, what is it? A 500 CC bike. That's right. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. And, um, those, uh, those Honda rebels at, uh, at 500 cc's, uh, they don't, they don't have a, uh, a windscreen on them. They don't no. have a tachometer. Yeah. It's pretty bare bones, yep. which I like. Yep. It's got like this cafe racer aesthetic. Yeah. And, um, th- this is a term that is rather new to me. The cafe racer, I guess in, uh, I can't remember if it's Europe or North America. Um, uh, People would meet at cafes on their motorcycles, yeah. and they would be stripped down bikes. They they would be very very light, 
And uh, yeah, these these folks would race from cafe to cafe on on their motorcycles, and you know, just racing for coffee at the next uh, yeah. at the next stop, essentially, right? And by the next round, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. And uh, I think that have you have you looked at images of these bikes? Oh yeah, oh they're cool. Cafes, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, the street bike equivalent is known as a street fighter. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do is if a guy lays down his bike and then doesn't want to pay to get new plastics put on it, just tear it down to the bare bones, yeah. you know, throw a <laughs> headlamp on it. I've got a street fighter, uh, out East actually. Okay. That was a project that I was working on and it's, I would like to finish it. Um, cause like it, it is stripped down bare bones, but I'd like to repaint it, customize, uh, some aspects of it. Uh, the subframe, nothing integral. Yeah. But not going to change the geometry of the bike. No, 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 no. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Just the aesthetics. Yeah. Good. You know? Good. Do good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot that you're a motorcycle mechanic. Yeah. So yeah. I love to like, was really big into the cafes, what looking at what people were putting together and how, how go, how to go about it. Right. Yeah. Because, there's like light, lazy cafes and then there's really well done ones. And there was this really cool guy in Halifax, Kickmoto. He was an engineer and he put together like three bikes for a, a show one year. Mm-hmm. That's a cool and, name. Right? Uh, sorry, it was Kit Komodo? Kickmoto. Kickmoto. Yeah, like okay. Kickstart. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And I was asking him, like, what? If he had to put like a price to how much time he put into building these things like what what would his hourly rate have been he, he said like it was like two dollars an hour or something oh boy that's yeah. a passion project yeah exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you could tell he's like i'm glad they're done yeah oh and yeah this is this might be it i don't know i honestly don't know if he's still kicking around but mm. i hope he is i hope all small bike shops are because yeah that stuff's super dope and the culture is nice when, when you meet the right people. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I find now like the, the bike scene is so much more inviting all around. Everyone's pretty diversified in what they're offering. It's like even Harleys, I think are, they're looking to offer like electric bikes now and, and that sort of thing. Well, if there's a market, it needs to be tapped, especially by uh, vendors such as Harley Davidson, because uh, I mean, their products are, expensive because of the, yeah, the branding the yeah it, purely because of that yeah and um not everybody wants to ride a motorcycle no um and electric bikes are becoming very popular mm-hmm. and uh yeah if they can break through in that market i mean they they can essentially dominate the the high-end portion of of e, like e-bikes yeah which is cool because you see some of the e-bikes now like my buddy's got one and man, it like it's an it's an e pedal bike, but with a th- twist throttle. Okay, right? <laughs> it is the coolest freaking thing I I've ridden in a long time. Oh, it does it rip? It does. <laughs> you can get it up to like sixty k. Oh shit! And it's nice because it's not the whole th- uh, throttle that twists. So like you still have stable bars and everything for riding your bike. It's just a portion of it. Oh yep yep. And so like you're pedaling, you're good, and you add it, and then like the faster that you pedal it gives you that feedback oh yeah and just engages smoothly and nicely but at the same time you're like man this is just like a 
it's almost like a trials bike if uh, mm, you're familiar with that yep. just you know like a small 50 cc engine two-stroke is probably what they have in a, in a trials bike but guys are like bunny hopping them and stuff and like just that was the vibe of it because you're like you could easily just rip around town and bomb on it how much do they weigh how much do they weigh yeah what was his probably like 70 80 pounds that's hardly anything i know wow hey no wonder they rip (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's cool (laughs) And, and like the nice thing the funny thing was because like it's a bike like he doesn't have to stick to the roads right oh and especially in a city like this oh, oh exactly. wow we, yeah because we were going for dinner up at the keg or something right and even just he got there in the same amount of time as i did yep <laughs> you know oh, yeah. easily so yeah. and he didn't have to pay well uh, what are we 135 a liter right yeah, exactly. now exactly i was thinking like if i lived somewhere if i had lived in like edmonton or calgary I, that would, i'd probably get rid of my car Mm. oh yeah yeah or if i I wasn't in a position or uh, if i didn't have to always be leaving the city or Mm -hmm. something yeah there'd be no reason if i could Uh, just stay local but well that's one of the reasons i bought the bike Mm -hmm. um because i'm i'm driving a 2012 tundra and those 5.7 liter v8s are thirsty and um i'm rocking the uh the 10 ply tires on it and since i switched tires i noticed that it impacted my fuel economy mm-hmm. negatively oh okay yeah um just because i have to run those tires at like 45 psi and they're rated for 80 so they're, they're oh yeah yeah they're capacity. soft yeah. yeah yeah but um uh most um most generic pickup trucks they're they're rated uh p on their tires for passengers so you run passenger tires on those trucks mm-hmm. but being that i haul a trailer and uh I, like I've got a 26 foot travel trailer and I go out into the sticks and on crown land, I didn't want, I'm so tired of passenger tires in the mud. Yeah. Uh, I'm always worried about my sidewalls and I'm rubbing on rocks and it's, it's a problem. Yeah. So yeah, I just went with the heavy duty tires and I'm not going to worry about that anymore. I'm just going to send it this year and, uh, uh, and I'm just going to have to feel the pain of the pump. Yeah. It's just part of it. it is and with summer right around the corner. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're going to squeeze you for what they can. Oh yeah. So that's why I want to, I want to spend so much time on, on this bike. Try to offset it. Hell yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I fueled up the bike and it was like $7 and I'd been ripping around all weekend. I'm like, fuck yeah. That'd be like $80 in the pickup. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Oh yeah. Any, uh, close calls on the bike? Oh, you know it with the, with the gravel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I'm not really synced up with it yet. I'm still a really new rider. Mm-hmm. So I'm leaving the VAT last night. And um, uh, Kate's a sweetheart. She's mm-hmm. like, you want to keep your helmet in my car so you don't have to like leave it in the bar and, su- and such? I'm like, okay, yeah. And she's parked in the neighboring parking lot. So um, I'm, I'm set to leave. And I peel out of the VAT's parking lot. And I, I go over in front of 111, grab my helmet, put it on. And, uh, I, I kind of got my wires crossed in regards to uh, clutch and brake for a split second. Oh yeah. And, uh, I, I let out the brake and the clutch at the same time and, uh, and the bike just took off on me oh, no. and I, I, and I had lizard brain. I was a little tired. Yeah. And, um, 
I uh, I squeezed the clutch, and but that doesn't decelerate you immediately. No. And I'm pointed at parked cars. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I just, um, I just leaned away and, and didn't hit anything. Did you dump it? No, no, no. Uh, that's the great thing about never skipping leg day at the gym. Yeah. You can catch it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I I was, I was skipping pretty hard. Yeah. And, uh, brought the bike to a stop and I'm thinking to myself like, Rob, you just gotta chill out a little bit. Like never fully release those handles if you're gripping them Mm -hmm. is what i was telling myself it doesn't matter if it's brake or clutch just slow and and even just sometimes like you you do have those brain fart moments where you know you shift wrong or anything like that and it's just like oh my gosh here we are (laughs) oh yeah yeah and uh being that the streets haven't been swept yet yeah super like be cautious oh yeah so um I think it was the third time I'd taken the bike out and I hadn't left Lancaster with it yet. And Lancaster Drive is a long looping road and it's all curve. Mm -hmm. So I've been kind of uh, working on my look, lean, believe mantra Mm -hmm. in regards to, uh, you know, following a a long uh, curve at speed. And I'm coming up to a T intersection and um, this ghost car pulls around the corner. So I'm not thinking about operating the bike anymore. I'm thinking about the law. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's coming out of the uh, the intersection that I want to turn right on. And I don't quite slow down as fast, uh, as quickly as I should have. Yeah. And I take the corner anyway. And I take it wide and I cross that center line. Mm-hmm. And that center line is just gravel. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. So, yeah, never skip leg day because, I again, I didn't dump that bike. But, uh, oh, man, the uh, uh, catching a tipping motorcycle at speed and not like not crazy speed. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like 15 kilometers. Yeah. It, it jars you. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And um, I'm really glad that my bike is low to the ground uh, to make contract with the street even operate my legs are still bent. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's lots, uh, yeah, lots of give. articulation r- range in my leg and, you know, kept the bike upright, but I'm learning, I'm learning, uh, to, to focus on what I'm doing and not the consequences of what if, right. And one of the worst things, like when we were working on bikes, especially starting out and you're doing PDIs, PDI pre-delivery inspection. Okay. So fresh out of the crate, you set it up, you take it for a road test and kind of, you know, if there's any assembly on it, you know, put the fairings on, fenders, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then make sure that she's road legal. You check all your lights, your fluids, that so that a customer can hop on it and it's good to go. Yeah. One of the worst parts about that was when you had to roll them out onto the showroom floor and you're moving something like a gold wing. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Oh, man. How much do those weigh? Like 700 pounds? 800 pounds? I think more. Yeah. They're just... Because even if one of those goes over on its side, you're not picking it up by yourself. No. Unless you, you, you're you a, uh, what is it, deadlifter? A power lifter. Power yeah. lifter. Yeah. Like, yeah, no. So, so, like, there's the time that one almost went over and I like actually caught it with my leg, which was a dumb thing to do, but was able to save it. Yep. But, like, the guys were like, oof, <laughs> you did not want that thing to fall. I was no. like, no, man. It's... <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so at least, at least you got a nice bike. It's a nice size. 
Yeah, it's uh, 480 pounds. Yep. Um, again, uh, I'm sitting real low to the ground, lower than most bikes sit. Yep. Um, it's a perfect beginner bike. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm glad to see you did something reasonable in mm. that sense because there's nothing worse. Like, guys go out and get a leader bike, and it's just like, why? You, you have something that you never have to leave first gear in. Yeah. Right. It will do 120. No problem. <laughs> well, and I, yeah, I've been eyeballing the, um, the rebel for a, a number of years, mm-hmm. but my late wife, she's always, uh, Oh no, we'll get a travel trailer instead of, of you getting a motorcycle. Uh, Oh no. Uh, we'll get, we'll, we'll get me into a, a new Tacoma instead of the motorcycle. So the motorcycle was always at the bottom of the list. So yeah. <laughs> so here I am, uh, got my motorcycle and, um, <laughs> And I'm in the showroom at Turple Rose and uh, the Rebel 1100 is a nice looking bike and it's got, um, it's got a full, you know, dash cluster. It's got a uh, tachometer. uh, Yeah, it's got a tachometer and and it's got, um, it's got a windshield and all of the creature comforts and it's only like three grand more blacked out gorgeous unit. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I'm a grown ass man that can say no to himself because uh, <laughs> a lot of guys can't. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those guys, man, it's easy to upsell them on just whatever's the shiniest thing there. Oh, and it was, yeah. Ooh, it was sleek. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad I, uh, I went with the, the bike that was the right size for a beginner mm-hmm. and, uh, the matte black frame and and the the green highlights it's a good looking bike yeah yeah and my next property has to have a garage yeah and it uh, has to have trailer parking uh and uh when i get in there i'll probably buy a second bike yeah off-road type or highway highway yeah yeah um i mean we live in central alberta mm-hmm. the 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 mountains are a few hours away, yeah. And I want to experience uh, those highway miles, and and just be outside on for for them. I mean, we can we can you know go for a cruise and in a conventional vehicle, and still take in the sights, but you're in a cabin, mm-hmm. so you, um, you'll you'll never really experience the the full range of uh smells and sensations that the outdoors really have to offer yeah and uh i want to do that on a on a motorcycle that can that can handle um those highway miles without being too uh, buzzy right yeah i've been out on the highway with the 500 and i took it up to 120 and it's it's a six speed bike mm-hmm. it can do it but um, it's working it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah and uh you know i'm not a big guy uh, like 170 pounds. So it like right, uh, right human, uh, for the right size of bike yep. for, for that. I mean, and it'll take me to Innisfail. It'll take me to Lacombe, Blackfalds, like Sylvan Lake. And, and that's fine. But, uh, when I get that garage, oh yeah, I'm getting a highway bike for sure. Nice. For sure. I suppose I should focus on getting the bike license first. Though. Yeah. <laughs> process something to work towards mm-hmm. so do you find the the highway riding therapeutic um like do i experience catharsis as yeah. i do it 
Um, not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more more focused on uh, just road safety. Being yep. that I am a professional driver, mm-hmm. that's where my head's at regardless, right? I imagine once I uh, become more experienced and uh, I have more just of that uh, uh, automatic uh, thinking going on, yep. like I'm not... I'm not so focused on operating the machine and I'm a little bit uh, more relaxed. Maybe there will be some catharsis, like you get that floating feeling. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm still very new to this, so uh, I'm a little nervous still, yeah. Too nervous to to feel uh, any sort of release on the highway anyways. That and there was this fucking logging truck I was dancing around too. <laughs> I was out with uh, my aunt's husband, Les. And he's on this great big Harley, and all I can hear is his bike, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, there there was just a lot going on when I was out on the highway with Les, and yeah. Sweet. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you're having fun with it. Mm-hmm. So you've done a lot of yard work here. We're chipping away at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just given this neighborhood, I mean, all of the all of the trees are so mature, right? And there's yeah. so many so many leaves. Um, I'm over in Lancaster, so I have the luxury of doing like that the whole uh, like no mow may yeah kind of deal. And uh, I planted an apple tree a couple of years ago, and I want the uh, local insect population to be able to develop and cross pollinate my apple tree with uh, my neighbor's tree across the street. Mm-hmm. I just want to see that thing do well. Yep. I'm uh, I'm emotionally invested in this tree. Okay. It was the very last tree my late wife and I planted together. And, uh, yeah, I, I want to see it do well for that reason. Yeah. So when that, so you said you planted it a couple of years ago? Yeah, I think two years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Was it two? Was, it, wasn't, it wasn't last summer. It, it certainly wasn't this past summer. Mm-hmm. Because I got married this past summer. It oh. must have been. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, yeah. I proposed um, uh, in uh, July, I proposed July 6th of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, Micheline got her breast cancer diagnosis October 2019. And, uh, so we, we didn't get a, a chance to like get our, get our shit together, um, and plan a wedding until, uh, well, 2022. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we got married on, uh, July 7th, 2022. And, uh, and then she passed away November 23rd of. 2022 wild yeah right jesus man how long have you been together before you um proposed we got together in 2011 oh, okay yeah and uh oh i i had a thousand reasons not to propose <laughs> like oh i'm not a stable enough dude right uh, oh, she's like, she's way out of my league. She, she, she should be with some guy that's way better than me. I'm just some oil field scum. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Is that, that was, so was that like delaying it? Well, delaying my proposal. Yeah. 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 And then I, I, I then I eventually got a job in town, mm-hmm. uh, driving garbage truck. Yeah. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm not going to propose yet. This job is new to me. Like I'm essentially switching careers here. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, the contract, uh, the municipal contract comes up for renewal. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to get laid off or not. Mm-hmm. I can't propose if I'm going to get <laughs> laid off. And, uh, then, you know, keep my ear to the ground. I get on with the company that's going to be taking over the municipal contract. And, uh, oh man, that, that's a ride switching, switching employers when a municipal contract is up for bid mm-hmm. and not really knowing which company is going to be awarded that yeah, contract. Yeah. You're bet yeah, you're, you're, you're putting it all on black essentially at the real uh, table. It's 50, 50 at that point. Uh, but I made the right call and things worked out. So I proposed. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'd actually wanted to do it over here on these, yeah. on these walking trails. Oh, nice. Uh, but I couldn't get her ass out of bed. It was a, it was a Saturday morning, and it was really nice out. It was gorgeous. It was a, it was a July morning, and um, like I'd made us breakfasts, and and I, I, like I was I was set to do like this whole thing for the whole day, right? Yeah. And she's like, I just want to stay home. I'm like, okay. So I go down to the office. I get the ring. I bring it up to our bedroom. I'm like, so you want to get married? And she's like, oh yes. <laughs> oh my god. And of course, like it's. It's one of those intricate rings that has that have a a jacket. Oh, okay. So it it has the um. It's three rings. Mm-hmm. Two of them are bound, and they slide over the central ring, and I, I had to go get it sized right. Um. So she she has this ring for like the afternoon, right? And we go and get it sized, and she's very excited, and you know we get it back a couple weeks later, and it's a whole rigmarole and. It was very exciting. It was a very exciting time in, in our life. Yeah, it was yeah. good. It was really good. And then, what was it? Four months later, cancer mm. diagnosis. Yeah, yep. That's wild, hey. How did that come about? Well, you know, if you've got a lump, get it checked. Yep. That's that mantra exists for a reason. So yeah, she she had a a, a mass. Mm-hmm. in uh oh god i can't even in the right in her right kind of like armpit area mm-hmm. so yeah she went to calgary to uh get a mammogram and you know it, they detected something and then biopsies and then and then a diagnosis and yeah she was a a nurse an lpn mm-hmm. she was working in unit uh well, in the uh, dialysis unit at the at the hospital, she was a career nurse. She was a nurse for Jesus, oh, sixteen years. Yeah. So, um, just given the uh, the connections that, like, the personal relationships that she had with the medical community here mm-hmm. here in town, like, we always like we always had the care we needed. Yeah. Start to finish. Like it was never an issue. I don't think we ever waited for anything ever. Mm-hmm. Which is... So did she have a mastectomy? Double mastectomy. Yep. Um, okay. So yeah, I'll rewind a little bit. Um, initially, um, her diagnosis was stage 2B, uh, which uh, entails uh, corruption within the lymphatic system. Mm-hmm. 
And um, the lymph nodes are the highway to the body, right? Yeah. So that was bad. That was bad enough to begin with. So yeah, um, uh, and you can't really like pull out lymph nodes, right? No. Uh, my mother, I think, had a super similar diagnosis. And they, I think they ended up taking a few of the, the lymph nodes. Yeah. Yeah, so a, a lot of material came out. Yeah. And um, she had, uh, yeah, she did the the double mastectomy. They took both just, just to, we wanted, we wanted to, we were going scorched earth on cancer. Yeah. We weren't yeah. going to give it a chance. Yeah. And um, she had a little belly fat, so they did a reconstruction and used that material from her, from her stomach. And she made, uh, she made a lot of jokes about how she was getting a, a free tuck out of the deal, right? <laughs> And, uh, oh, she was such a, such a force, such a, a positive and pleasant personality, like effervescent. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. So through the whole process, she's only thinking about her wedding dress. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, uh, she gets reconstructed. She goes to, um, physiotherapy, gets strong again, um, we're, we're keeping up on, uh, uh, you know, follow-up appointments, follow-up biopsies. Things are looking good. Chemo's coming along. Uh, the radiation was hard on her body. Like, uh, I, Have you ever seen a human body that's experienced the, the, the radiation therapy? No. My mother got lucky and went another route. Mm, and yep. it seemed to work out for her. So good. It, would, it wasn't something that we had to experience. Some, it's like uh, a microwave hot dog. Yeah. Yeah. Just the flesh sp- splits. Um, but anyway, she, she heals up. She goes back to work. Wow. Yeah. After how many months? Um, she went back to work. Oh, Lord. I want to say in like May of uh, 2020. And uh, she took on an administration role. Of course, uh, COVID is front of mind at this point. Oh yeah, she's super worried about that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she got... damaged immune system, just weakened state, all that. Yep, yep. So she goes back as a, a hand wash auditor at the hospital, <laughs> 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 right? <laughs> and she loves it. She, um, she was a a natural uh, instructor. Um, and such a charismatic and beautiful person. So when she spoke, people paid attention to the words that were coming out of her mouth. And um, yeah, she went back to she went back to work for hmm, nearly a year, and she was getting back into the dialysis training. And and um, you know we were getting a, her wedding dress customized and making plans and and. Um, Things get kind of hazy for me mm-hmm. in this time period because I hadn't taken up journaling yet, and I wish I had. Journaling is really cool. Everybody yeah. should do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think it was the following summer, 2021. She was really tired. She was really tired. We'd got, we'd gone camping a Labor Day weekend, and uh, she just couldn't stay awake. Um, 
so we, uh, when we came back into town, um, you know, follow-up tests, we were testing like, every, there were tests like every couple of weeks and they're like, well, it's back. It's, uh, it's stage four triple negative breast cancer. This is a palliative diagnosis. Like death sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and Mickey, um, her, her name was Micheline, but mm-hmm. Mickey for short. Uh, and Mickey had worked in, um, in long-term care, uh, in retirement homes for like, that was the, that was the bulk of her uh, nursing career. Mm-hmm. So when she received a palliative di- a diagnosis, she was, she was not happy <laughs> naturally because she knew what palliative entailed. Right. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of, uh, denial that, um, that is involved in, uh, a change of circumstance like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, you hear about all of these anecdotes of people that live with, uh, this pro- like this diagnosis for like 15 years, 20 years. And uh, of course he can't help but think like, Hey, that could be us. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing all of our finances. I, uh, I do all like I'm, I'm too, I'm taking care of everything at this point. Like, uh, I'm a, I'm wearing so many fucking hats. It's unreal. Um, but I'd set up our finances to be able to do, uh, to, uh, maintain our lifestyle, like go on vacations every two months and, uh, and, and cover our bills and, and have her going out for lunch every other day with her friends. And we could, we could have done that for, well, 40 years. Mm Mm-hmm. That's just not how th- things played out, and I, I'd wish, I, like, if I could do anything differently, it would have been uh, vacation every month, <laughs> right? And I would have bought her the sports car that she was asking for this past summer, but, um, but in, like in August, instead of buying her a convertible, I bought her a Hyundai Sonata, mm-hmm. just a just a sedan, four door yeah. sedan, and um, her her best friend also drove a Sonata. Uh, same make, same model, same color. Yeah. So I thought I was being really cute. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um, so start to finish ooh, a little over three years. And how, well, from that diagnosis until she passed, what was that time frame? Three years. Th- oh, okay. So yeah. it was three years. Yeah. It was three years. Three yeah. From that point on. Okay. Yeah. So we, yeah, it, um, yeah, denial is a, is a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, all, all of the anecdotes that float around on, on the internet with terminal diagnosis, diagnoses, mm-hmm. diagnosis, I don't know. Um, I don't think that they're doing anybody any favors. Yeah. Yeah. So if I could, if I could have done anything differently, it would have been to ignore that shit and just be a little bit more present. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here I am, Mm -hmm. uh, embracing independence. (laughs) Yeah. Cause, um, being unwillfully uncoupled Mm -hmm. is a traumatic experience. I was talking to my doctor last week and he said it, um, losing your spouse at a young age, like what I've experienced is the the second most traumatizing 
experience that a person can have. The first is uh, losing a small child. Yeah. It, it, that's the worst. And he's telling me like I should be taking a year off work and all of this other stuff. And, and um, that's just not for me. No. No. Um, like I need to be doing stuff. So uh, I don't know. I, I went back to, for two days and then I, well, yeah, I went to talk to my doctor and then I, I'm off until the 25th now. Oh, okay. Because I woke up on uh, this past Thursday and I just did not give a fuck about you, anything. The way I... Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm up, I'm showered. It's quarter after five and I'm going back to bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'll give it another whirl on the 25th and... If I can go back for two days a week, then I'll go back for, for two days a week. Yeah. And uh, if I can't, well, I'll figure out something. How has it changed your perspective on your on your life now after that fact and how you view death? Oh, um, hmm. I've always viewed death as relief people think that they have to live their like endure the banality of day-to-day life like kind of ad nauseum forever people kind of get depressed with the daily slog like oh i gotta get up i gotta work i gotta deal with all these fuckheads at my job and then come home and deal with my spouse and my kids and i'm just so tired i never get to rest i'm depressed and that's never been me because I know eventually I will rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there, uh, my life will, has a beginning, a middle, and an end, just like a good movie. Mm-hmm. And um, when the credits roll, I will rest. So in that regard, not not a whole lot has changed. Um, I just didn't expect the story of my life to include uh, marrying and burying the the woman i love in within like eight months <laughs> no that that's a wild ride yeah yeah that's a wild ride but it, it, it like yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't do anything differently but uh in regards to my perspective on death no, that hasn't changed mm-hmm. i know that um that the grief i carry will be released when i die mm-hmm. um and that uh, that provides me with a great deal of comfort. Yeah. Also helps me helps me uh, endure the the big sad because grief comes in waves, right? Yeah. And uh, when you're dealing with like this this crushing weight, like you just feel like you can't possibly carry it that day. And a lot of people opt out um, when they're experiencing a, a wave of depression like that. Um, you see people in their late 20s and 30s and early 40s, uh, you know, topping themselves because they just can't get fathom, through it. They can't fathom living through that for another day. Mm-hmm. But it does pass, right? It does pass. I was, I was actually walking over to my buddy's place to grab my bike the other day. And uh, this fellow that I hadn't seen in probably 12 years pulls up beside me. He's like, "Hey, Rob." Uh, he he just wants to chat for a minute. I'm like, "Why don't you, why don't we just why don't I just get in your car and you can give me a lift over my bike?" And we were talking about about um, 
depression and, and grief and how it can have you act irrationally and, and do things that you can't take back. Mm-hmm. And so circling back to my perspective of, of death, um, when, when I'm experiencing that, that crushing depression and grief, I know that I, uh, that I'm, I'm safe from harming myself because I don't need to do that in order to die. Mm-hmm. I will do that. Death will come. Um, and there's just, there's, even if there's only one shining moment between the present and the moment that I die, it's worth all of the grief in between for that one shining moment. And I'm not going to deny myself that moment. I will have it. It will be mine. Yeah. Now, how's it changed your perspective on work? Oh, God. And, and, and what you do with your time? Well, um, being that I'm a garbage man, mm-hmm. uh, the work that I do directly benefits the community, mm-hmm. which, uh, which helps it seem like a worthy endeavor. On paper, yeah. But uh, being alone in a truck, um, oh god, the banality is suffocating because you're just cruising house to house, running a claw. Mm-hmm. Claw goes in, grabs the bin, tips the bin, <laughs> set the bin down, retract the claw. Next house. Podcasts are great, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to listening to yours. Like, where, where does where does this play? Uh, nowhere yet. Nowhere yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting a, a bunch of interviews done up this week, mm, okay. and then I'll sort that stuff out. I was the guy uh, I had on earlier today was explaining that process to me. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I'm really just making this up as I go along and seeing where uh, if, where I can get it because it's been something that I've wanted to do for a long time because of those uh jobs that have those moments of banality yeah you know and it's just like man i appreciate this i appreciate you being here i appreciate you know everyone who's chatting and the conversation so yeah that that's you know just what i'm trying to do at the moment uh there's a a track by an artist spark master tape <laughs> okay the track is charlie and the chorus uh, goes, uh, get yourself a motherfucking art form. Mm. And, oh, that resonates with me. Yeah. Because uh, art is life. Yeah. Right? It doesn't. And anything that we do can be turned into art. Mm. Um, even something as simple as waste collection. <laughs> if I can set all the bins down in a straight line, if I can look in the side mirror, see all those bins in a straight line. <laughs> And the street is clean. All the lids are closed. Yeah. That's art. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to be looking for that now. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. That's it. This just the art of conversation, right? I, I find the day-to-day, you know, cashier conversations or, you know, you're chatting up some dude at the bar sometimes surface encounters absolutely absolutely 
sometimes they can go unexpectedly, right? And I find in those moments, all that it is, is people being honest. Mm. Oh, right? I love that. Yep. You know, you ask someone, uh, the cashier at, at Sobeys or wherever, you go, hey, how's your day going? And they go, shit. <laughs> and you're like, and they're like, I don't, they're like, I hate this. You know, they're like, <laughs> something's going wrong. They're like, this is dumb. Yep. This, this is bothering me right now. And I'll tell you about it. It's like, all right, yeah. Tight. Love yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. Because it's the honesty, right? Mm, yep. Now, and I think a lot of people default to like, oh, things are well because, you know, things aren't overtly bad. And, you know, cool. You know, could it could it be better? Always. Always. You know, and then at what point do you be, are, are you content? Right. Mm. And actually, I had a good, I was just talking to a buddy the other day because we were trying to figure out scheduling for the next few months and whatnot. Yeah. Because I'll be heading out east for a couple months and. He's, you know, he's got a, a trip down to Vegas and then going out to BC for a little bit. And then uh, he told me that they're heading over to Italy for what, whether it's a month or something, whatever it is. And he's, he said, you know what? I was like, oh, that's dope, man. Like all this stuff's Oh, yeah. Up. Yeah. Right. But he goes, he goes, yeah, but I don't feel like I've earned it. You know, pardon? Well, it, because I, I understand him a bit and when he can be engaged in something and be in the process and then come out the other side and then go do that sort of thing, it's much more rewarding. Oh, he, that's where he gleans gratification. Yeah. So at the moment, but here's the thing. He also just had a child, right? First kid. So that's what they're like working on now. Yeah. I'm like, dude, like. Give yourself some credit, you know. This is your wife just gestated a, a child. <laughs> she has earned this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, but I understand that too because I like. Well, or, or talking to my brother yesterday because he's got this fight coming up mm -hmm. in, in Red Deer, and he's cutting weight this week. That's why I grabbed his dog, help him out. Yeah, and he. Just how focused he is on this, it, it's it's nice to when you run into people who are going outside of themselves to to push towards something. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, just yeah. outside of he's not just getting home from work and you know hanging around for a few hours and then calling it a night or whatever. It's like no, gets off work and then his second shift essentially starts right. He's yeah, his his passion project. Exactly. His art form. Yeah. Is available to him. And, and it was it was cool for him to say he's like, I'm so dialed in right now. He goes, All I do is I work, I train, I hang out with my kid, walk the dog. Perfect. He, he goes, I don't need anything else. He's like, it's turned me into a psycho, but <laughs> I don't need anything else. And understanding that he is working towards something. And the, these are just the steps that you have to go about it. So it was nice to hear him talk about that. Because, you know, life isn't always kind to everyone. No, certainly not. Absolutely. I'm learning about the difference between goals and intentions. Mm. Goals have endpoints. Mm. They they have... Uh, they're results-driven, usually. Yep. Like, my, my goal is to cut weight. Okay, great. You've cut the weight. Now what? Whereas intentions, they, uh, they're just so much more involved. 
and um, and the stakes are much higher with intentions. For uh, for instance, um, if you look at it in terms of gambling, would would you set a goal and say I bet my I bet my house on this goal, mm. and if I don't follow through, I lose it. Yeah. Right. And um, and we we carry these intentions around uh, with us uh, almost unconsciously, right? Like, um, for instance, um, your intention might be to to have a successful little comedy troupe, right? Mm-hmm. And if that's your only intention, all of your focus can go on that. Mm. Um, but for instance, if a person has as an in- uh, intention like like the one that you may be pursuing and they also intend to start a family and they they also intend to cut weight mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. there's another intention to you know have a routine that includes having a, a super clean house mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of uh, there's a certain amount of mental anguish that emerges from carrying unfulfilled intentions mm. and that causes grief causes uh intense unhappiness right because people feel like they're living these unfulfilled lives yeah well it's like regret right why why did i not finish that project Mm -hmm. right the the list just adds up oh yeah and now you've got this list of uncompleted things and in your brother's case his Mm -hmm. intention is to like do this fight Mm -hmm. and have a family those are his two intentions yeah. And two is two is lots. Yep. And now that he's really dialed in, he's experiencing uh bliss, right? Yeah. Oh, he's in pain because he he wants to eat food, but <laughs> 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 but yes, it, he is. It is that bliss. Yeah. Cause we took the dog for a walk and just, he's like, man, it to hear him talk so positively about the experience even though it's brutal right now oh, yeah. for the oh, for yeah. this next week whatever but it's that he can view himself he goes this is what a good example i'm setting for my kid right yeah right showing her if you want something like you got to do it you know mm-hmm. and to the degree that you do it will define your ability to do it that's right yep yeah. and um after reading about um, the the difference between goals and intentions and uh, uh, and treating intentions as though they're this uh, unlimited stakes bet mm-hmm. that you'll follow through on or, or not, um, I've been feeling a lot better about what I'm doing. Mm. Uh, just need to figure out what my intention is, right? Because, uh, you know, getting a property, that's a goal. Mm-hmm. You, you achieve that, it's done. Um, learning how to ride a motorcycle is a goal. You, you learn how to do it, it's done. But with intentions, I mean, uh, they're, they're a longer game, right? Yeah. In, intentions are almost more of a definition of your character. Yes. Yep. And when and when you're following through on them, everybody can see the strength of of your character, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you can't put a you can't put a lid on it. 
I imagine that your brother is just like glowing with confidence right now. Yeah. And and competence. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is an exciting time in his life. This is wonderful. Yeah, it absolutely is. I'm looking forward to it. Like this Friday. It's going to be great. Oh, the, it, it, his fight is this Friday? Yeah, it's in town actually. Oh, where? Uh, Westner. Are tickets still available? Yep. Fuck yeah. You want to come? Hell yeah. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> Hell yeah. I got to see this man in action. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. I've got a background in martial arts. Oh, awesome. What yeah. did you do? Um, I did karate and kickboxing and taekwondo and uh, jujitsu and ta- um, kickboxing. Yeah. Um, the only one I pursued to uh, um, for a great length of time was karate. Like I've got a I've got a black belt in karate and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, cool. I, I, I love, uh, I love martial arts. I don't like fight culture. Fair. Um, what you were saying about, um, bike culture mm-hmm. and how inviting and, um, uh, and approachable it is, uh, these days, I feel the exact opposite about the dojos and the mats. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I find that people are so hung up on making it these days. Mm. Almost, it, it it feels like uh, the hockey arena. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you um, where you get you have these parents that are just way too involved and and uh, personalities on the ice that are just so arrogant and and confident, uh, like filled with unearned confidence. Mm-hmm. I just have a hard time getting back in back into it. But um yeah, like I've been hitting the gym and trying to put on weight, um uh, put on mass. I want to get back into kickboxing. Yeah. Really uh really enjoy having my soul driven out of my body by somebody's f- foot as it pushes into my solar plexus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Honestly, um, yeah, you'd get you'd get a kick out of my brother cuz he's the same thing. Goes, there's no better feeling than like just getting your ass kicked for yeah. three hours in the <laughs> evening. <laughs> yeah, he goes because nothing else matters. That's right. Yeah, you know, whatever woes you in your life, it's you don't have time to to be concerned about it. No, you're just trying to suck air back into your body. Exactly. Yeah. It was uh, honestly the thing that impressed me most. He just had his first amateur MMA fight in Lethbridge last month, and. It went to decision, and he won by decision. Okay, yeah. But he was so exhausted by the end of the fight that, like, I ran out back to, to check on him. And he, he had looked like he had been knocked out, right? Just staring uh, up into nothing. But his main concerns to his coach, he, he goes, did I win? <laughs> and the coach goes, yeah. He yeah. goes, did I shake his hand? Yeah. And coach goes, yeah. He goes, did I shake his coach's hand? And he go, yeah, he's like, okay, good. Yeah. And then just like back into like just zombie land. And I was like, that's really cool that the, that you care that much about it. He goes, yeah, man. Cause at this level, like we're nobodies. That's a fact. Yeah. You know, why, why should I have an ego? Oh, one, one should never. No, exactly. Right. doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been reading a little bit of Emmanuel Kant. Mm-hmm. And uh, to what you were saying earlier about um, conversations with uh, with strangers, surface encounters, um, and Emmanuel Kant kind of dug into that with uh, with his Kantian ethics, and um, and Kant uh, says that we should be trying to treat each other for our ends 
rather than as a mere means. Uh, treating a, a person for their means uh, entails like uh, treating a plumber just just for their skills. Like they come into your house and it's like, good robot, the problems under my sink, get to it, right? Here's your money, get out of my face. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, treating somebody for their ends is uh, viewing another individual as though they have goals and a life and and intentions. And it's a much more uh, humanizing uh, perspective. The, the plumber comes into your house and you greet them by name, introduce yourself by name, ask them like how they got into plumbing, etc. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and re- after reading that, um, I- I've been leaning into more of these, um, uh, casual conversations with strangers and being that one of my intentions right now is to uh, meet as many new people and make connections. I've, I've said this before yet. Yeah. Um, uh, after reading some Kantian ethics, it's, it's going better for me. <laughs> yeah. Easier to meet people. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, uh, I've always, I've always, uh, excelled under direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, adhering to Kantian ethics has kind of given me a blueprint for uh, my behavior. And uh, it's working for me. Cool. Yeah. Loving it. Loving it. Can't promote Kantian ethics enough. <laughs> I mean, it, but it's, they're pretty rigid. Mm-hmm. They're pretty rigid. Um, th- there's a reason that, that they get torn apart uh, very easily because, uh, uh, you know, anything that that's rigid. Rigid, Yeah. Uh, it breaks under scrutiny. Yeah, exactly. What's that? Philosophical look on, on trees. Doesn't matter how deep the roots are, but a strong enough wind will come and tear it out of the ground. But, That's right. But bamboo will just f- float with the wind, kind of deal. Yeah, it'll uh, a reed will twist in yes. the wind. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. I might see you out there. I have no idea who you are.